America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. We're back. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show, and I'm joined by Leonora Cravota. Hello, Leonora. Good morning, Scott. So today we're going to be talking about, you know, the fix we're in. We're in a bit of a bind. Yeah. And uh, I wrote, I, I read a couple of pieces that inspired me to write the piece I wrote. And it's funny. At first, um, Cat Turd says, I wish someone loved me the way LeBron James loves China. <laughs> I thought <laughs> that's really funny, uh, but I was listening to this uh, Matt Hancock talking about a new strain of COVID coming from India. Like, when is it ever going to end? Yeah, this was almost like too good to be true. It worked so well. Yeah, that for the deep state, that are they ever going to let this go? Mm-hmm. Are they ever going to give up the plan? Because they've been on the climate thing to control people forever. But climate, man, climate never had came close to the holy grail of takeover of people's lives than COVID has. Yeah. You got to admit. I, I got to admit. I mean, COVID, whoever, whoever the evil person was that came up with the COVID concept to control people, whoever that Dr. Jekyll was, could not be happier right now. And... So I read the Bradford file, and the jo- he says, Joe Biden and the communists who control him are destroying America faster than I thought possible. And then I wrote, after reading, after listening to Matt Hancock, and we're going to play that clip because he's in England, but again, he's talking about a never, another COVID, and we're talking about a Biden presidency doing more damage to the United States than then we've we could have predicted we could have even you know presumed um and you take a look at how much china has influenced uh the world in just the recent months they're they're at every summit meeting they're the dominant factor in the world right now they just uh they just made a couple of decisions uh that made us look like we were the one with the short with the short stick we were the one that was following them and we'll get to those pieces sometime in the show but i wrote this i said the problem with having the strongest military and economy in the world in the wake of a rigged election that installed a president who is a puppet to communist strongmen like putin and xi is that we've everything we've built and paid for as taxpayers is now armed 
against us when the puppet sells us out. Yeah. So Biden got the control of the strongest nation in the world that we built with all of the tax dollars that went into it, with all of the middle class might and manufacturing, with all of the education and research and development, with everything that went into that, countries that have been known to steal our intellectual properties and seize our physical properties through land deals and through pay-to-play schemes with our state officials, like Georgia's a great example with Raffensperger and Kemp, where you got the Georgia Business China yeah. website talking about Chinese development in all these different areas. You know, we need to put a limit on how much China can use our universities. I have a good point to add to this. Yeah. Tom Cotton is reintroducing a bill that's cracking down on Chinese spying in American universities. Because uh, It's called the Secure Campus Act, and he's reintroducing it today because, you know, for the very points that you just brought up. So, you know, to examine, because, you know, if you look at the, the statistics about the amount of international students that come into this country, I think the highest uh, percentage are from China. And we've been talking about this, you know, for ages, about the Confucius Institute, the Thousand Talent Programs, where these students are coming here, gaining our intellectual property, bringing it back, et cetera. And then, you know, and again, we've talked about this a lot with the Wuhan lab and all the connections there. So, you know, so this is a very timely and at least one positive piece of news. That's exactly right. And... uh and now we're, we're, you know, we're, we have installed, thanks to China and their Chinese Kung Flu uh, bat stew, we, we are now like with another uh, type of uh, virus. Another strain. Now, the thing about it is, is that this is not the first time that China, you know, COVID-19 is not the first virus that China has released to the world. I, I have a feeling that the others were failures, mm-hmm. meaning that they weren't able to spread the way COVID-19 spread. And again, I don't like to call it COVID-19. I, I don't like to call it like Ch- Trump said. I don't like to call it the COVID- Corona sun. I, I say like to, that. Yeah. Well, Corona, <laughs> Corona, you know, it sounds like a nice place in Italy. Yeah. Um, no, I like to call it the Chinese flu. Brought, brought to you by the Chinese terrorist organization called China. You're bringing up a good point once again, because you just said this is not the first attempt. Think about terrorist attacks. We only know about the ones that were successful. We don't right. know about, I mean, the general public does not know about all the attempts that were failures. The ones in which the, um, all the ones in which our intelligence prevented them from happening. And that's the same thing with these viruses. There were probably many things that were released in one way or another, attempts to um, undermine our economy, undermine our stability, undermine our national security that the general public is not aware of because they were caught. Right. And uh, so I believe that COVID-19 was just the one that was most successful. And that's the, to me, that's the biggest concern. And here we are more than a year later. And yes, right. people are getting vaccines, but you're still being restricted with masks. In fact, yesterday I was at an event 
And uh, Mark Meadows, the former chief of, of staff for, for Donald Trump. Yeah, this is interesting. This is you very had an funny. event yesterday, okay? Okay, and th- let me give the backdrop. The t- theme of the event was COVID cronyism, and it focused on how the Paycheck Protection Program and how some of the uh, guidelines about reopening businesses had favoritism towards the uh, larger entities and the mom and pop shops were, you know, were at the bottom of the line, um, you know, the back of the line, so to speak. That was the theme. But while the event was going on, again, this was at a, you know, well-known venue in D.C., the, you know, people were instructed to wear masks ahead of time. But this is just common, you know, practice now. You wear a mask when you come into a place. You're supposed to wear a mask when you're not actively eating or drinking or in the event of a panel. If you're not on the actual day of speaking at that moment being videotaped, you, I mean, you can take your mask off while you're speaking and presenting, but you're supposed to have it on. So Mark Meadows comes in with his security detail and all the other stuff that was going on with him. And when he arrived, um, and he had, you know, handlers or whatever, they, they actually photographed him because he didn't have his mask on. And, and somebody came up to me and said, somebody who's on your, pa- on your panel is not wearing a mask and showed me a photograph. And, and then somebody <laughs> from the management uh, of the place spoke to one of the, you know, his people that was with him. And, you know, and, and they were very nice about it. But, I just, uh, but somebody else also came up to him, uh, one of the people who was handing him his, microphone, his, uh, his lavalier mic, and said the same thing. You need to have your mask on. I mean, he was going onto the stage that moment where he would be pulling the mask off. Wow, that's yeah, ridiculous. Or, or, or it was very close to when he would be doing that. Yeah. So, so my point in saying that is you had a bunch of people on the stage talking about all the – uh, all the biases associated with COVID. While the pe- while at the venue you were at, people were trying to reinforce some of the elements of COVID, and you know, cra- and jokes were being made about. Uh, one person on the stage said, "It's interesting how with uh, wearing masks, uh, you-, you only need to put it on when you're standing up. The minute you sit down, you can take it off. It's yeah. like it- it- COVID is no longer uh, applicable when you're sitting down." Yeah, well, we were at the Dulles <laughs> Airport. Literally, the only thing that separated was a little bar, like a little steel bar uh, from pillar to pillar. And inside the bar was the restaurant. But it wasn't a wall. It was just a bar. You could see right through it. Where you can kind of you know, lean on. Yeah. You know, it's like a little bar. Um, not, not a bar that you put drinks on. A bar just like a metal rod. Yeah. And that was it. It wasn't a wall. wasn't much of anything. And... Um, but on the one side, you're in the restaurant, and on the other side, you're not. And what was interesting is when you're in the restaurant side of the bar, you could stand and talk without your mask. You could sit and talk without your mask. But in no uncertain circumstances, uh, can you stand or sit and talk without a mask if you're on that other side of the bar? You would be locked up and thrown away. And what I don't like, too, is that we have the, you know, the same policemen that are paid for by the working class Americans. And they turn their backs on working class Americans while favoring the non-working civil disruptors. And that's the part that gets me the most. That and the party that supports these mandates and, and draconian restrictions. Because these people are the people that are bad-mouthing and trashing the police the most. How any person, any police officer, 
in this country could have ever voted for Biden, well, shame on them. And I would dare say any military person who voted against Trump, shame on them. Shame on them for not voting for Trump. Shame on them for not voting for our country. Because immediately after Biden got installed as president, we started getting back into these foreign wars. The conflicts in Syria are epic. And again, I look at those conflicts in Syria. I was looking at these uh, this new article that I posted, um, and it had like four jets. And uh, these four jets, it reads, Russian jets pound anti-Assad militant base in Syria, killing up to 200. You know what I? You know what ran? What the first thing that ran through my head was probably not the same thing that ran through your head. But I look at Syria and I see this, and I see that headline. I say, Russian jets pound Assad militant base in Syria, killing up to two two hundred people. The first thing that ran through my mind was war games. Mm-hmm. If you're ever going to have a mink. Mock a mink fight a jet fighter, you know a MIG. They call them MIGs. A MIG jet fighter go against a F sixteen. Mm-hmm. Or if you're ever going to have war games outside of the war games that you normally would have, uh, you would want to do it over a desert somewhere. But these things cover a lot of space really quick. So what what better area to have war games? And test your skills as pilots, fighter pilots, and strategies. Then with some sort of coordinated uh, alignment with who you consider to be your political enemy, but maybe it's not your political enemy. And I see war games here. And there's no, like, like when we said that all the fighting age males have left Syria. And they're now, you know, making widgets in Manufacturing plants mm-hmm. throughout Europe, mm-hmm. and Angela Merkel is real happy about it, nodding her head. You do good work, you know. Um, it's sort of like uh, now, who's left it behind to fight for those lands? No one. They all got on the caravan, and they all fighting age males invaded Europe. But maybe they didn't invade Europe. Maybe they're just now working blue collar jobs at low wages in a variety of countries under the European Union's thumb. And they set the guidelines as to what you're going to get paid. They'll put food on your table whenever you need. And you're just going to get not be a problem anymore. You're not going to blow yourself up. You're not going to cause terrorism. You're going to open that land up to us, the European Union, the globalists. And we just might want to have some war games, just like we have war games in South Korea. Yeah. On behalf of North Korea or on behalf of China. Um, But North Korea didn't like it when we had the war games in South Korea because war was imminent between the two states. And one of the things Trump did was he said, those were very expensive war games that we would play. And sometimes they'd play them with the South, uh, South Korean army. Well, these Syria games. As soon as I read that, now, you know, of course, as soon as I read that, I was wondering, 
just before I read it, I said Russia and Syria pounding a military base in Syria. I'm like, okay, that's got to be pro-Assad because Russia is in bed with Assad in terms of land deals, in terms of military base strategy. You know, you had uh, uh, the military base on the uh, west western flank of Syria that's Russia's biggest military base outside of Russia. And, of course, they just signed a 50-year lease, Tar- Targus. Tar- Targus, I think it is. Um, in any case, so th- here they are with a whole bunch of missile weaponry. And it makes it look like, the story would make it look like they're dominating the airspace over Syria. But I think it's more than that. I think it's, there's no, uh, there's never going to be a winner. Unless we defeated Russia, Russia is going to continue to own and control Syria. And so why are we there? We're there just to f- perpetuate the military-industrial complex uh, spending of weaponry. Because every time you shoot a missile, it's money in the p- pocket of a guy like Lindsey Graham, who supported the conflicts in Syria. So I want to take a listen to uh, this uh, person in England. But one of the other headlines uh, that made the Scott Adams Show Twitter feed was UK labor leader was kicked out of a pub by the anti-lockdown landlord and <laughs> told him to leave. That's, uh, that's what's going on in England. Um, Xi Jinping, China will use Belt and Road to create universal rules and standards. Will Chamberlain writes, Trump told his supporters to peacefully make the voices heard and was impeached for inciting a riot. Maxine Waters told an already violent mob to get more confrontational and Dems are pretending it didn't even happen. How do you like those apples? And the squad members spent up to $32,000 on private security while championing defunding the police. Steve Ferguson wrote, The Nazi Party had the Gestapo. The Communist Party in East Germany had the Stasi. The Communist Party in the Soviet Union had the KGB. The Democrat Party had the FBI. There's a comment about uh, from Dershowitz we might play later. It says, Why, Der- why Derek Chauvin's defense has gone uh, grounds to an appeal verdict. Of course, he did he should have never been convicted of second-degree uh, murder. That th- There's not even one sh- shred of evidence that it was second-degree mm-hmm. and or third-degree. Well, they're celebrating in the streets. That's what's going on. I mean, there was a lot of concern, like uh, even where I was yesterday, things were boarded up because of they were concerned about protesters on both sides. Well, what they're, what they're suggesting now is that gun control legislation, things like that, that are all related to, yeah. are, are going to probably take a second seat yeah. now. So there might be a blessing in disguise in um, 
Instead but, of calling it the George Floyd bill, they may call it the Chauvinville. Well, and, and the other and the other issue is um, the Democrats are uh, to a point you've made previously. Democrats are concerned about the elections, so they're subtly trying to get rid this of verbi- very... verbiage like defund the police and focus more on reform the police because defund the police is going to is going to actually hasn't been playing well in terms of pollsters with the the Democratic oh, base. It's it's, it's, which, it's insane. It, it's insane. So they're realizing this now that this doesn't play well even with the democrat party right well let's take a listen to this guy matt hancock uh to address parliament in on indian variant uh, a new indian strain the lies are wearing thinner nhs their national health uh, system overwhelmed maybe because of gp failure and vaccine side effects climate change will be next well he's basically saying that the hospitals are somewhat empty. The, the, the crisis is really about keeping people's jobs. I will tell you, I was a victim, and I told you this story the last couple of days. I had my gallbladder uh, removed, and uh, it was a painful situation, especially before the surgery, uh, because of the gallstone that was stuck in the valve, and I was going through excruciating pain. And when I got there, they took it out, but then they wanted to keep me there. So they fickled with my oxygen level numbers to the point where I got another uh, test called an echocardiogram that I would have never needed if it wasn't for the unexplainable oxygen situation. And I got to stay a couple of extra days, too because they needed to stabilize my oxygen levels before they could let me leave. Well, I would have had normal oxygen levels and I would have been able to leave two days prior without those series of tests that probably upped my medical bill, and I haven't gotten it yet, but probably an extra $20,000 was added to my bill. Easily, and not to mention the anxiety that you experienced personally. And the stress that people like my father were going through. Worrying about you. I didn't know you were on oxygen. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, you know, people who know medicine, like my dad probably knows a little bit more about medicine because he's older, right? right. So the, the, it's like, I didn't know you were on oxygen. Why are you on oxygen? Why are you on oxygen, son? Yeah. Seems to be something more going on with you being on oxygen for two days. Yeah. You know, and so that's a lot of um, stress. Not to mention the fact, discomfort for me lying in a hospital bed, being woken up every hour because... They sense that I have a really good medical plan that they're going to milk for all it's worth. And they get to fill an extra hospital bed, which when we took walks around the floor, it was empty bed after empty bed. So the nurse is looking like, well, I'm going to get my shift reduced if I don't get enough, if we don't have enough beds. Yeah. They're going to cut shifts. Yeah. That's going to be cut my bottom line. So we got to make sure we keep people in their beds, right? This is not a situation of hospitals being overwhelmed. Well, it used to be treat them and street them. Now, now it's hospitals are empty. And this, and I like are, that. That's good. And one. ours is not the first story. Everybody who I've heard who's been in a hospital <laughs> in the last year has talked about the hospital being empty. Yeah. Right. And because it's it's a misperception that the hospitals are overwhelmed. Right, that's that's interesting, too, yeah. that you just said that. All right, we're going to listen to this guy, Matt Hancock, talk about a new strain of COVID coming out of India. Now, 
I remember Angela Merkel talking also about a new strain. And it just seems to me it's coming from all angles because they want a new strain to deal with because elections are coming again. And they want to create permanent, uh, permanent laws as if our condition is going to be a permanent condition. That's why you have Fauci never, ever admitting the truth. That's why you have Fauci consistently lying all the time about whether when, you know, so when Rand Paul asked the question, when are we going to get our civil rights back? Or, or that was uh, Jim Jordan. When are we going to get our civil rights back? You, you, you talk about these, you know, different goals you have and stuff like that. Give me a number. What is the number? Because it was supposed to be a number, you know, and let's not face let's not forget the fact that the mercy and the comfort, those big ships were empty and never used. The Samaritan's Purse, set up in Central Park, they were empty, never used. They exploited things. So, you know, poo-poo Graham on that one, because that seemed to be a fraudulent mission, in my opinion. There's nothing but fraud associated with that. I don't think that uh, Reverend Billy Graham's son, uh, who ran Samaritan's Purse, was d- did the right thing. I think that's a shady organization as, as uh, it relates to that situation. And they should be considered as such. But Samaritan's Purse was empty. Uh, a whole host of... And then there was all these empty hospitals when they said it was looked like a war zone. At the same time, the ABC was using fixed false video from Italy or they were doing body bag scenes from another country from another period in time they were using these videos to exploit a current situation in New York City then meanwhile you have this fudging of the numbers because I think what they did was they inflated the numbers to try to create drama but really, there was no funeral home that was busy. You know, I used to watch those YouTube videos of them going by, and funeral homes were quiet. There was no line of limousines or funerals anywhere. The hospitals were empty. The morgue trucks, you could never ever see inside, but they appeared to be like there wasn't traffic going from a body into the truck with people that were standing outside all day long. Never saw one body go into a truck. And so there's that. But the hospitals were empty. And we've had several nurses call in to the show. And there was a constant story that was very much the same, whether it be in California or uh, from Maine or uh, elsewhere, Florida. We had lots of different callers give us different episodes. And I did my own research. So let's take a listen to this guy, though, talk about a new strain of COVID. Because COVID 19 can only be exploited for so long. But we need another one of these because this beats climate change all to hell when it comes to controlling people. Let's take a listen. This is a very serious message today. I just want to advise every one of you that are listening to me in the United Kingdom to go out and stock up on pasta, 
rice, bottled water and toilet paper because Matt Hancock is about to address Parliament and tell us that the India variant of coronavirus is about to land in the UK. So of course, we should all be terrified, right? Wrong. This charade of theirs is wearing very, very thin. And it's pathetic to watch them clutching at straws right now. The India variant, the South Africa variant. Listen, the hospitals are not overrun. The NHS is not about to break. Quite the opposite, actually. And if there is stress in the hospitals now, it's because the GPs aren't seeing patients. And the side effects of these vaccines are kicking in and people are flocking to accident and emergency departments. You've nothing to fear whatsoever, but fear itself. And they know that variants of concern. You need to be concerned about what your government is doing to you and your family and your children and your mental health and your economy. There's a hell of a price to pay for all of this. People just don't see it yet. It's like racking up debt on a credit card for years and then realizing you have a fortune and you've no way of paying it back. The only thing you can do is go bankrupt. Don't be conned by these liars in government. The rogues, each and every one of them. Do your research and stay seeing. What's wrong with doing your own research? Exactly. But there's nothing wrong with doing your own research and being an informed consumer. And we've been saying this all year long about COVID and also about, you know, healthcare in general. I mean, again, you know, we've talked about this a lot that, you know, we're being told things. And I was always raised to believe that a doctor is not a god. Now, you're going to a doctor because they have a special medical expertise that you do not have you're going to you, and you need treatment or you need a checkup or and there's value to what the doctors the nurses the medical technicians etc do it's i'm not trying to dispute that but you need to be your own advocate when you go into a healthcare situation and we've been hearing about this a lot because of covid you need to say okay this is how i am feeling this is how i normally would feel this is what's wrong with me this is what i think i mean they'll give you the tests as necessary but you also need to say, hey, wait a moment. I don't think I need that test. I don't think that's necessary. Um, or, or or tell me why that's necessary. What What is the risk of me not having that test? What is the benefit of me having that test? We need to speak up for ourselves. But we're put into a situation where we're infantilized, where, um, where we're taught, we're taught like spoken to like we're children selling wear your mask do this do that and we're not spoken to like we are competent decision-making adults albeit we're not we don't all have medical degrees or medical backgrounds but we are informed or, or we should be and we should always be looking at our own health and be the ambassador and the keeper of our own health and we should be making all the decisions for ourselves we should not get frightened by the news that's out there or by somebody wearing a white coat who comes in and tells you something. We should not be afraid to speak up. And I think there are too many people that even in this day and age are afraid to speak up. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's crazy out there. You know, they're lying to you. Why are they lying? 
Well, there's, Why there, is there a whole bunch of this deception? Well, there, I think that there's a benefit to keep your population controlled. We've talked about this for years. I mean, that you know, socialism. There's a benefit to isolating your population from their um, systems of faith, telling them that uh, you know that that they don't need to go to church or go to synagogue, you know, and then in those situations. That the state becomes your god. You're listening, and you know when we saw this happen with Hitler, we saw this happen when you take people's faith away from them, or you endeavor to take their faith away them away from them. You're you're trying to control them. The people that survive the the genocides or the or the survivors of the people who perished, what they do know about these about these horrible genocides is that many of the people who held on for as long as they could held on because they had faith and their faith sustained them. And that's something that the state tries to eradicate. They try to say that you can't have this, that this is, listen to the science. And if you go back to things like uh, Inherit the Wind, you know, where you had the Darwin and all of that, the, the point is, yes, science exists, but so does faith, so does creation. They coexist. And at the end of Inherit the Wind, the famous play, the, uh, the there's a lawyer character who he takes the Bible and he takes uh, Darwin's book and he puts the two of them together to show that the two of them operate together. And that's how we should be functioning in the society. Right. Science and faith together. And individual empowerment. Well, we're going to shift it to Chauvin a little bit. And, okay. And uh, the, um, the case out in Minneapolis, the George Floyd case, um, where Candace Owens, uh, this is a, from a, uh, a Gateway Pundit article, and basically, she was on Tucker, and which I don't watch Tucker or um, I don't watch Fox News anymore. But um, they they betrayed us, and and I still don't. Um, but uh, I have access to it, but I don't watch it. Um, but every once in a while, like look, I might decide that I'm going to watch it. I just haven't lately. Um, I'm getting this from uh, Benny Johnson, uh, his tweet. And um, here it is. It's, he says it's kind of a, a very powerful um, exchange between Candace Owens and Tucker Carlson. Candace Owens is the host of Candace. We're happy to have her on tonight to assess what we're watching now. Candace Owens, you'd think in a country like ours, very top, I mean, this is the most first world country that's ever been. You'd think the most civilized and the most just. Here you have to consider a murder case through the lens of politics. When you get to that point, haven't you already given up civilization? Well, that's correct. And what we're really seeing is mob justice. And, and that's really what happened with this entire trial. This was not a trial about George Floyd or Derek Chauvin. This was a trial about whether right. the media uh, was powerful enough to create a simulation and decide upon a narrative absent any facts, whether it was powerful enough to repeat showing and talking about a nine minute clip that came from somebody's cell phone without adding any context, without showing the full, you know, the full police video, which they could have released. They refused to release the full body cam, which would have added more clarity um, to the fact that the media was lying. You know, the media came out. Let's not forget this, Tucker. The media came out and told us that this was a man who was just getting his life together. He was a good, you know, good member of society. And he got mixed up because a racist white police officer had it out for him and, and killed him. 
All of that fell apart. All the facts came out and all of that fell apart. We now know, of course, that he had enough fentanyl in him. It was three times the lethal dosage, three times lethal dosage in him when he died. But nobody cares because the media was successful and putting out a narrative and they kept hitting that narrative. And the reason why the Democrats are happy is because they realize, of course, the media supports them and now means the Democrats can get whatever they want because they can create a narrative and then they can treat people like pawns and get them to basically say, if we don't get what we want, we will riot, we will loot, we will send these people out like soldiers to destroy your neighborhoods. And that is exactly what has happened. That has been the determination of this trial. The media and the Democrats now have enough power to bully, to bully and to lie to and to create propaganda and to successfully win. And that is what happened. And they are celebrating that win today. This was not a fair trial. Only one side. No person can say this was a fair trial. You just got to take three steps back and acknowledge that only one side behaves this way. I mean, yeah. a, a jury in 1995 concluded that O.J. Simpson, despite DNA evidence, hadn't murdered two people and there were no riots. But more to the point, there are a lot of people sitting behind Trump voters sitting behind bars right now have been for months charged effectively with trespassing. We're not speculating. We've seen the charges. No Republican in the Congress stands up for them. Nobody mentions that nobody, you know, is for prison reform when it's their political enemies. That's not equal justice, but nobody says it. Why is that? Because we have two pandemics going on right now. There's a pandemic of ignorance in this country, and that is only allowed to fly because we also have a pandemic of cowardice in this country. Okay, so we have people that are, are purposefully putting out a bunch of ignorant, ignorant claims. And then we have people that are too cowardly to stand up and say, you know what, this is wrong. There has been so much that has been going on in this country that is wrong. You talk about it. I talk about it. But we do not have people that are sitting in Congress that are willing to take this fight where it needs to be taken. By the way, you bring up Maxine Waters inciting violence. I'm so old, Tucker. I remember when a man said, march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol, and that was considered an insight to violence, right? That was like, oh my God, stop the press, get this person disappeared from social media because he is calling for violence. Look at what Maxine Waters says. No one, no one in the media is condemning these, condemning these remarks. That same media that condemned, condemned Trump and his supporters for weeks on end is now defending Maxine Waters. And we both know this is not the first time that Maxine Waters has incited violence. Don't forget, rush down. If you see a Trump supporter, you got to rush them down in the restaurants. They're allowed to do this. They play by a different set of rules, but it's because we allow them to play with that different set of rules. They get away with virtually everything because we don't have strong people on our side that are willing to stand up. You know, and, and, and that it's a sad conclusion. It really is so frustrating. And the idea of martyring George Floyd, the way Nancy Pelosi spoke about him, it completely forgives all of the trauma that he brought against his victims while he was alive. You know, a man that served seven plus stints in prison while he was alive, armed robbery being two of the reasons why. And now we're going to martyr him and say that your name will forever be synonymous with justice. Imagine, Tucker, if you are one of his victims that is alive, one of his victims that he armed robbed, and you have to hear that this man's name will always be synonymous with justice. How would that feel to you? I feel like we are living in fiction right now in America. We are losing this country and we are living in fiction because people are not strong enough to call out this stuff. And I feel like I'm one of the only ones who has the courage to say, I will not be mobbed into a different reality. This is where they try and pull you off the internet because you're not afraid. I just gotta ask you, it's, so, it's frustrating of course to watch what you and I have been talking about where one side ferociously defends its power, the other side abandons its voters to jail. I wonder, though, is there a point where just ordinary people can say, you know, I, I'm not in control of politics, but you're not allowed to block my street with a protest or intimidate me uh, on my front lawn or break into my store and steal stuff. 
Like, I'm going to defend my family. I'm going to defend my business. You don't have a right to do that. There's no justification for riots anymore. And I'm just not going to put up with it. No. Will we get to that point, do you think? No, we're not going to. That's why they're already moving the ball. They're already moving it. They're moving the goalpost already because they're saying right now that that's not enough. That wasn't justice, by the way, because what they're saying is what they want is a perpetual revolution. It's why they want people to be ignorant. It's why they want people in the education system to learn nothing but race and how to be angry. They want people acting like toddlers because when people are ignorant, they act like toddlers. They whine, they complain, they cry because they are absent facts. They are absent knowledge. So we are actually seeing a systemic oppression that is taking place that is rotten. It is throughout our, the propaganda that's taking place in the mainstream media, and it is working with the education institutions, teaching critical race theory and all of this nonsense to make sure that we are mass producing failures that are angry and that are violent and that are willing to write and loot on behalf of the Democrats, because that's all they want right now are pawns in their nefarious scheme to take over this country. You know, that was interesting when she said that about pawns. Yeah. I mean, about uh, toddlers. Yeah. Toddlers are ignorant. Right. Right. That's why they cry. Right. That's why a baby cries. I, I never put that together like that. But that's kind of an interesting. Well, they uh, cry because it's the only form of communication they have. Uh, absolutely. So they want they want us to, to be made to be like infants. And that, you know, that's what I was saying earlier. It's they want to limit your decision making capability, and that's and and when you do that to a people, particularly when you do that to adults, and you try to take away all of their ability to make decisions for themselves, they become you know they either become angry or. They, they do something about it, or finally what happens is there were some people out there that just accept it, and they're happy to just do nothing. Uh, you know, they, they, they kind of become like lotus eaters. They're like, they, they take what's ever given to them, and that's what socialism is about. They say, okay, I'm giving you a roof over your head. I'm putting, giving you clothes on your body. I'm giving you something to eat. I'm giving you some entertainment so you, you got something to do. I'm giving you a little bit of work. But there's no motivation to do anything more. There's no motivation to try to be innovative in, in terms of what you do, in terms of your profession, or in terms of your um, your interests. Yeah. You're, you're just limited. It's everybody looks yeah. the same. Everybody does and, the same thing. And the other thing is, you got LeBron James out there t- talking about all lies. Yeah. He hates America. Yeah, The guy is just a boneheaded, stupid man. Uh, LeBron James, anybody that could put his jersey on their kid's body, uh, whatever. You know, this guy is the biggest sellout to China on the planet. And as stupid as the day is long, and is tweeting out how bad police are to black people, and also putting on a hit list, Mm -hmm. white cops that he deems to have been uh, uh, in violation of that, mm-hmm. uh, of being hard on black people, when when the circumstances aren't considered, yeah. and that's a trial by you know, popular uh, you know trial by the uh, media, right? But here we have this myth exposed: myth of systematic racism. Ten percent of white homicide victims were killed by cops. Three percent of black homicide. Victims were killed by cops. Blacks diet homicide rates 13 times that of whites. Okay, so that was a, these are the myth of systematic racism, right? And so Heather McDonald, who we've 
<clears throat> we've had on our show uh, speaks about this. Oh, usually twice as many whites as blacks killed by cops, both armed and unarmed, and that's both in total numbers and in proportion to the uh, crimes committed. This is right. absolute disgrace. My father was NYPD for 30 years. Uh, he must be turning over his grave. I, I can't believe it. It's so bad. And the biggest victims of all this are the African-Americans. There's been a 100% increase in shootings yep. in New York over the last year, and almost all of them have been blacks shot by blacks. That's that's what's so astounding is that, I mean, it, the numbers just go up and, and we're supposed to feel good about this, like there's some kind of justice out of this. It's unreal. Heather, after the Derek Chauvin verdict, President Biden addressed the nation saying that we have to get systemic racism out of policing. You have done extensive research on this, some fantastic research. What exactly do the numbers say uh, on systemic racism? The numbers say that it does not exist. The police go where the crime is. We have a crime problem in this country. We do not have a police problem. We have been talking about phantom police racism for the last three decades obsessively so as to continue turning our eyes away from the cultural breakdown that you so rightly spoke about, Rob. Uh, America does not want to confront the dysfunction in the inner city black community. Exactly. The, the, here's some numbers. Uh, a, a much greater percentage of white and Hispanic homicide victims are killed by a cop than black homicide victims. 10% of all whites and Hispanics who die of homicide are killed by a cop compared to 3% of black homicide victims who are killed by a cop. Right. Why? Because the number of black homicide victims each year is so huge that it dwarfs anything else. Blacks die of homicide at a rate 13 times that of whites. The rate of police shootings for unarmed blacks, there were 18 unarmed blacks killed last year by the police. Unarmed is defined very liberally to mean going after an officer's gun or fleeing in a stolen car with a loaded handgun on the seat next to you. Those 18 unarmed blacks represent 0.2% of all blacks who died of homicide last year, and an infinitesimal amount of the 40 million blacks. The police could end all fatal shootings tomorrow. It would have no effect on the black homicide rate. This idea that blacks are being gunned down on a daily basis is an optical illusion created by the selectivity of the media. If the media covered, as Peter King says, twice as many whites are killed by the police as black as blacks, if the media covered the white victims of police shootings, which it will never do, the public would be under the impression that there was an epidemic of racially biased police shootings of whites. It's exclusively a function of selective coverage. It certainly is. And, and, and you know, uh, Peter, you know, we, we just... Well, that's the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ended. Um, that's interesting. So, you know, we are so influenced and impacted by our me media. And, you know, we would like to see the numbers go down. Like on MSNBC and CNN, we were expecting, and we did see, like Fox News outperform CNN and MSNBC combined, but... In part, that was because there's not a Republican alive that, you know, was going to go to CNN or MSNBC so long as they had Fox News. Yeah. And on the mainstream channel systems, you only had Fox News, CNN, 
and MSNBC. But somehow, during the election process, yeah, Fox News betrayed the Republicans. Yeah, they did. Just like Drudge Report, overnight, went from being pro-conservative to, you know, hating Trump in the worst way. And they did that overnight. So we lost the Drudge Report, which was a big outlet, and then we lost Fox News. Yeah. Once you lose, and I said, I've consistently said on this show, I said the reason why Trump would not pick up on certain fights in Washington is once he loses his center center, uh, right audience, once he loses that battle with the media, he is... He's gone. He he's not going to be able to fight that fight, and I remember distinctly certain shutdown, um, you know, deadlines are, are approaching, and when Trump felt he had the support of the center right, he stood his ground and he won that battle. Yeah, but when he sensed that he was going to lose that battle among the center right, he would concede. Yeah. And he would put you know the burden on somebody else. So you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them in poker, right? You can't play a bad hand. You can't go all in on a hand with high risk. You got to actually play it smart. If you don't get the cards, you don't get the cards. And I think that was the legacy of Trump's presidency, is that he wasn't getting the hands that he should have been dealt. He created a great land uh, foundation. He created a great situation for himself. But the problem is that he didn't have the support. There wasn't enough unity among Republicans. And see, that's what MAGAPAC.org and BugleCall.org, our nonprofits entities, are doing. What they're doing is we're pushing an, an agenda that and parts of our many of people on our board are on TV and they get on TV quite a bit and they sell these ideas. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a reproduction of Trump's. It's not enough, apparently, to have one strong Donald Trump. I think what you need are hundreds of Trumps sitting in seats across Congress that support the America First agenda that will make America great again. And part of that is the political the political um, correctness yes, and the censorship that says you can't go there when, in fact, the only way you actually win the debate is if you go there. But, of course, they want to control all of this. And that's the problem. No, they totally want to, you know, they want to shut people down. They want to treat you like you're a child. And we need to continue the good things that happened in the last administration. We need, and, you know, in Bugle Call, MAGAPAC, these are ways of doing this. And you're going, we're going to have events and we're going to have more um, expert guests um, on topics uh, that are of areas of concern to us, such as civil liberties, strong borders, um, religious freedom, ed- education freedom, educational freedom, all the air, um, election integrity, all the air, areas that matter to the, our version of conservatism, the version of conservatism which we believe is the truest version. 
And you'll be hearing more about that as, to, as you know, uh, time goes on. Absolutely. All right. So. So the and I do want to also give a plug for uh, we do have an event on August 6th, which is about religious freedom. And there will be other events um, that um, that have been scheduled about uh, some of the other topics that are germane to our our mission. So you'll be hearing more and more about that. So if uh, and you'll see some of the polls that we're doing on on the website, interesting topics that we come up with to to poll uh, people on. And, and this is a way to get engaged and sign up for our newsletter and learn more about what we're doing with both BugleCall and org, Right. And uh, Emerald Robinson, who's weighing in on like the Candace Owens experience uh, with Tucker Carlson, she says, while Republicans at the January 6th protest are held in solitary confinement at, and denied bail, the communists who riot in Portland are given commun- community service. The GOP says nothing about this two-tier justice system because the GOP doesn't protect its own voters. And that's that's a huge problem. You know, they have a safety network. Yeah. Right? They they get they have a whole bailout program. Yeah. You know, remember um it was uh um Kamala Harris and a whole bunch of people in the uh, uh, Biden uh campaign. Mm-hmm. They were actually advancing the ball on um you know, uh, promoting these bailout programs. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's absolutely stunning when we see and think about all of these different things. I mean, it's 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 got to stop. It absolutely you know? has to stop. I mean, we, stop. Have, we have far too many... Uh, our, our adversaries are outflanking us, out, uh, outplaying us. Um, Jack Posoviak writes, NBC really edited the 9-11 call and the video to take out any reference to a knife. And he's talking about the other incident. You know, so there's this fake media that we have that we have to deal with we got to well. stop it. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our show. My name's Scott Adams. My name's Leonor Kravota. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. Just to bury my kids right up to there